The Zest Podcast is supported by WUSF members just like you. It's part of WUSF, and we are stronger together. Your donation of $5 or $10 supports The Zest and everything public radio brings to our communities. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org slash match to maximize your gift today. Support for The Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. We all probably remember some foods that we didn't enjoy as children and that we do now. We all have a story about this that we remember and we tell other people. The first time I ever had, I put this in my mouth, you know, but our tastes mature as we grow and experience new foods. I'm Delia Colon and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. Vegetables are one of the best things we can eat. They're chock full of nutrients, they're low in calories, they can reduce our risk of heart disease and some cancers, so we know why we should eat more vegetables. This episode is all about how. I want to start by congratulating you. You heard the intro to this episode. You know it's all about how to eat more vegetables, and you're still listening. I promise it's worth it. Today, I'm chatting with two experts from the University of Florida's Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences, better known as UF-IFAS. IFAS has county extension offices across the state, and they're a great resource for learning how to grow and cook healthy food. In my conversation with Carol Leffler and Ann Yasalanas, you'll learn meal prep tips and even gardening hacks to help you eat and, yes, actually enjoy more vegetables. We'll talk about how to get kids on board with eating veggies and how to never again throw away a bag of soggy salad greens. I'm Ann Yasalanas. I am a residential horticulture extension agent and master gardener coordinator with UF IFAS Extension. My name is Carol Leffler. I'm a UF IFAS Polk Extension food and nutrition volunteer. Carol, then let me start with you. What are the benefits of eating produce that's in season? First, if you grow them at home, there's reduced shopping for the things you've grown. It doesn't mean that there isn't work up front to grow them, but tending a garden can give a lot of joy in the process. It can also allow families to learn where food comes from. And what are some some veggies that are in season right now that we could easily grow at home? Okay, so we're in the cool season still, getting to the end of it in Central Florida. Um, and there's a lot of stuff you can grow. This is a great time to grow and continue to harvest. So right now, people that have been growing, they're probably harvesting things like broccoli, cauliflower, carrots, beets, eggplants, lettuce, cabbage, um, all of our greens like... Um, collards and turnip and mustard, kale and Swiss chard. Um, and so that can still be planted now and also harvested now. And then, although it might seem strange, starting in February, March, we're starting to plant for our warm season garden as well. 
So some of those greens don't seem like a lot of fun <laughs> when we think of all the things we could be eating. Carol, how can we use this bounty that Anne was just describing? The thing about the different seasons is that they give you a chance to experience the different vegetables that are coming up at that time. And using those fruits and vegetables for meal planning makes for different meal plans in different seasons. And so that's a lot of fun. Coming up very soon is strawberries coming up in March, but also green beans, big lettuce salads, carrots that come in the backyard to the table. It's always a choice per season of what you can bring to the table and how you can make your meals more interesting. Okay, so Carol, give me some really practical tips. We all say we wanna eat more veggies. I can't tell you how many times I buy a bag of kale and it's like a race against time to use it all before it goes bad. What can we be doing? Put your vegetables, when you bring them into the kitchen, whether it's from the store or whether it's from the garden, put them where you can see them. It's really important to be able to know what's there and what's fresh and to be eating it at its peak freshness, which is for flavor and also for nutrients. If you put them where you can see them, they're not hidden in the back of the refrigerator. Um, all of us have reached in the back of the refrigerator in the crisper drawer and felt through the bag to see what's going on. And when it gives, it's not a happy feeling. That happened to me recently. All of us make mistakes. But if you put things where you can see them, that's a really good tip for being able to use them. Some vegetables, such as ripe tomatoes, belong on your counter where you can see them. Um, because that's their peak flavor. They don't need to be refrigerated. And you want to use them before hopefully you have to put them in the refrigerator just to save them. Use them while they're fresh. It's sad to throw away what have been a great addition to a meal, and we've all done it. Yeah, I know I've done it. And Anne, I know you're uh, more of a gardening expert and not necessarily a chef, but I'm sure you have a garden. I'm guessing you have a garden. What are you doing with the bounty that you get? What are some easy ways to use some of these greens and other vegetables we were just talking about? So I would say with the greens, because there are so many types that we can harvest now, I think any of them are really easy to just cut up really small and add to any kind of soup. We've had a lot of cooler weather, and so any soup you can throw them into, any smoothie you can throw them into. Um, a lot of the greens that people typically cook I think is a, a good idea to also eat them raw. So even something like collards that are normally cooked, they're really good raw. And I actually prefer mustard greens raw as well. So now when you're harvesting things like that, in addition to all the lettuces that you typically have in a salad, you know, throw all that stuff in there together for sure. And leaf lettuces have a short shelf life. And so having a garden really helps you out because you can go out there and pick them every couple days. You can use them in, as a basis for so many different, not only salads, but meals and additions to your meals. You can use them for garnish. Children and adults need to learn that garnishes are edible. It makes your dish beautiful. In these times, when we're not going out to restaurants, it's special to make the meals look special for the family. I mean, you can't go out and have a beautiful dish placed before you, but you do have the ability to place that beautiful dish by garnishing with lettuces for your family so that they know how special the meal is because the meal is the one time that the family is brought together. And that probably is one of the 
the chief things that's going to get us through this because it's a routine and routines are real important now. Yeah, that's a really good point. We really have to make mealtime more special than ever because it's like the highlight of everyone's day. Carol, you mentioned children, so I've got to ask you. I've got kids. I know Anne's got kids. How can we get picky eaters to eat their vegetables? And Anne, feel free to chime in on this if you have suggestions. I'm asking, asking for a friend. <laughs> um, this is Carol. So we all probably remember some foods that we didn't enjoy as children and that we do now. We all have a story about this that we remember and we tell other people, the first time I ever had, I put this in my mouth, you know, but our tastes mature as we grow and experience new, new foods. It can take quite a few opportunities of tasting a new food before it's appreciated. So many choices give many options to develop a varied palate for vegetables because that's what you're doing with children. You're teaching them about the world and part of the world is the world of food. The most important thing or tip for picky eaters is to model the behavior that you want to see. Don't put a plate of fruits and vegetables in front of your child and then walk away and do another task. You should eat what he is eat, eating when you're serving him because it's a social experience. Um, the modeling behavior is, is really important to child development. They want to know if you do what you say and they see it whether or not we realize it. Snack time is a great opportunity to introduce new foods and encourage healthy choices. It's also a good idea to engage children in preparing the meals with tasks appropriate to their age level. Just as in the garden, they get some ownership out of this and they know that they're a valued member of the family in that way. The next one is a tip that I use all the time. <laughs> Incorporate foods they don't prefer into foods they do prefer. And the best example I have about that is that when my children are young, they didn't want to see cooked carrots. And sometimes they just didn't want to see a carrot at all. And I always ground it up and put it in the spaghetti sauce because they didn't taste it. They tasted the spaghetti sauce flavor and all kids love spaghetti sauce and pizza and all of those things. So there's, there's ways that you can get some of those vegetables into your child when he's not buying into what you're modeling. Find creative ways to pre prepare snacks and mealtime vegetables. Serve vegetables raw. The shapes, colors, and textures of fresh vegetables are interesting and fun. Think about fresh peas right out of the garden or from the store, already washed and cooled. They're delicious little pods of delight. Kids love playing with them, opening them up, and eating the insides and young flat pots can be eaten whole and be willing to experiment. One of the things that we did recently was to make an all veggie pizza and we put fresh green beans on top of it. We snap them fresh, we put them on the top. They don't cook all the way through so they're kind of nutty and crispy when they come out of the oven and it really was a winner. So use your imag imagination uh, share with the kids, hey, let's try this, because cooking's an adventure, and that's another thing you want to let them think about and take part in. Last of all, for fun, consider themed snacks or dinners, such as a vegetable feast. We used to have those all the time. 
and, or eat a rainbow. Eat a rainbow can be a good way to get them involved by having some choices in a novel vegetable selection with the groceries list. For instance, when you're making your grocery list out, you might suggest even a vegetable you haven't tried and do that as a family project or growing in their harvesting their choices. Children are given opportunities to think about and choose healthy options for dinner or snacks as they get older. Again, it gives them ownership. Yeah, I've experienced everything you're saying, both as a child and now as the parent. Like I hated broccoli when I was younger, but I realized it was because of how it was prepared at home. And then as an adult, I learned to roast it with a little bit of olive oil and salt and garlic. And now I love it. And, and I also love what you said about eating with your child, because I don't know about you, but my kids will eat anything off of my plate. They wouldn't eat broccoli on a plate that I prepared for them, but they will steal broccoli off my plate. So I don't know why that is, but I think um, that has been true for a lot of parents. And as a parent yourself, do you have anything to add to all those great tips that Carol just gave us? I do. In fact, it kind of piggybacks the first one on what you just said about not liking something and then learning how to eat it later. So I assumed that my kids just didn't like broccoli until they told me they liked it raw and not cooked. So I think it's always good to ask, <laughs> you know, if we're going to have carrots or broccoli or whatever it is, do you want it raw or cooked? Or, you know, what way do you like it prepared? I think that's always good. Also, we do something kind of what, what Carol was saying, where we just kind of have a picnic. And so, you know, make a charcuterie board for kids. They can help. We always have like four or five cut up apples and then whatever other vegetables or fruits that we have. Um, a lot of times we'll have with popcorn when we have a movie. So they're getting, you know, fiber that way as well. So that's always fun. Another fun thing just to try and get them to try something new is if they do go to the grocery store, maybe say in the produce section, Hey, pick one thing to try. I know sometimes you go in there, you see some crazy looking fruit and if you've never had it before, hey, let's just buy one and we can taste it and see if we like it. Um, we've tried a lot of interesting things that way and discovered some stuff that we liked and, and didn't like. And I think that's fun. Additionally, you know, if you're talking about gardening, letting them select maybe some of the seeds that you're going to be planting. So they're starting from the beginning. Maybe they're selecting the seeds, then they're planting then they can help with the harvest. I know my kids like to go out and, you know, see what's going on, which actually is a time saver for me because then I don't have to go check the garden all the time. And they also like to grow things like herbs and add it to water or lemonade or, you know, mix up different concoctions with, with herbs and different fruits that might, might taste good in, in water as well. So I think some experimentation, if you can let them in the kitchen, is always good too. Those are great tips. I like the idea of serving vegetables in different forms, you know, maybe raw, maybe steamed, roasted, not only for kids, but for ourselves. Because I've written off a lot of vegetables too, unfairly, <laughs> or going to the grocery store and trying something new for myself because we get into patterns. So when we talk about meal hacks and getting dinner on the table faster, do you have any advice in that regard, either one of you? Because I think a barrier to preparing healthy foods and eating more vegetables is that you're literally starting from scratch. I have a few. Carol, let's hear what you got. Okay. It's all about the question that's often asked late in the day at home, what's for dinner? I'm going to answer this with regard to the, the new meal prep phenomenon 
That is, how to make sure to get dinner on the table during these times when you can't run to the store and pick up a last-minute item. It forces us to be better planners and better meal innovators. The first thing that will get dinner to the table faster is a meal plan. It can be as rigid or flexible as you wish. The well-stocked pantry is the overall goal. Meal plans without a good basic pantry don't get dinner on the table, but a good pantry with a general flexible meal plan is the best of all possible worlds. What's a stocked pantry? It's your mother's standard list of staples for the grocery. All the way back to the 50s, when I was a kid, milk, eggs, flour, butter, bread, cheese, vegetables, meat, fruit, etc. Shopping for the essentials when now necessarily done online can be a surprisingly good thing. Your online grocery list of favorites contains all the regular staples you generally purchase. Perhaps this will be another remnant of COVID that we will keep afterwards, just like Zoom meetings. While some of us miss going to the store, not having been in a store since last March of any kind prevents a good degree of impulse purchasing. You have to plan your impulses now. If you want candy, you have to remember to put it on the list. Having the favorites list when you shop online becomes your pantry list. Um, some other really quick hacks. Plan both meal times and snack times. Don't forget to plan your snacks. Make enough of an entree to serve two meals. One day is cooking, one, meals, one day is not. And I get a lot of gardening done that way. Make use of your crock pot or Instapot Insta so the prep is earlier in the day and you know what's going to happen later on. Maybe not the whole meal, but you've got the basics. No substitutions and deletions that you can use for meal prep. What things have to go on a in a recipe and what things can you leave out that don't really alter the quality of the meal? Read through the recipe completely before beginning to prepare the meal and also read through it completely before shopping for your ingredients because you can't run back to the store three days later. We don't anyway. Whatever we order for our three-week order is what we eat for the next three weeks. And the last one I have is to be flexible. Oh, those are so many great tips. And you're right. It's like I will put candy on the list and then I've thought about it for a day and then I take candy off the list. And that's something that doesn't happen when you're shopping in person. And can you give me an example of going out to your garden, finding fill in the blank vegetable is ready to be picked and then somehow incorporating that into the day's dinner or the next day's dinner? This time of the year with all the greens and all the lettuces, those are going to be really easy um, to incorporate anytime. And like Carol had mentioned before, those are also things that you can continually harvest. So you don't have to go to the store and buy the giant bag that you're sticking half of it in the freezer, although that's great. And I, I still do that as well, but I can just cut a little bit at a time and use what I need for just adding a couple things into whatever I'm already cooking. Or, I mean, a salad on the side of anything is always really easy to do. So that's what I would say. And again, with this time of year, with all of the herbs, you can add those to so many different things. That's true. And it makes it feel just one notch better, like mm -hmm. a, little, a little closer to restaurant food. What are some easy tips for people looking to start a garden? What should we be planting right now, kind of late winter, early spring? We talked a little bit about this earlier, but give me just a couple of tips to get us started. And then if listeners want more, we can link to the episodes that we did that are specifically about gardening in Florida. 
Okay, coming up into February, March, this is a good time to plan what you're gonna be planting for the, the warm season. So, you know, look at the seed catalogs, figure out maybe things you've been eating, things that you want to grow, things that you're interested in trying. Um, but in February, March, we can start any of our beans. So the bush, lima, pole beans, they're, they're good. They can be started then from seed. Um, you can also then start tomatoes, cucumbers, peppers, um, sweet potatoes, and um, melons. And then, like I had mentioned before, many of those, those cool season crops, you can, you can kind of keep growing now. So if you're just now listening to this and you are sad you didn't plant lettuce, you can go buy um, a pack of seeds and, and start some lettuce or something like that because it will come up very quickly. And I will say if you're, you're not really sure where to start with your garden, any county that you're in has a county extension service that can help you get started. Um, any county, any state that you're in. So when you contact your local extension office, you'll find out classes they might have to help new gardeners get started. They'll also have master gardener volunteers, um, most likely staffing something like a plant clinic. And they're there to answer questions you could have. They might refer you to free publications. So UF IFAS has resources like our vegetable gardening guide. And then each county might have some local planting fact sheets that can help you. And I'll probably, because of all of those resources that you use at the beginning, hopefully help you not get discouraged and thus start out successfully and then probably lead to a lifetime of gardening um, and trying some of these new things. Let's talk a little bit more about reducing waste. We talked about how we can incorporate these veggies into almost anything we're making. We can add herbs to almost anything we're making. We can do smoothies, we can freeze vegetables, we can do soups and use our crock pot and all sorts of wonderful things. What about those parts of the vegetable that we normally don't think of as edible? You know, the stalks, the ugly parts. Is there anything to be done with those? There's a guilt that comes along with throwing away food, as there should be. This is Carol, and a watchword phrase for this is that stalks can become stocks, soup stocks. They are very flavorful. You can put celery stocks, parsley stocks, um, all kinds of things that maybe your family wouldn't necessarily want to see on top of their bed of lettuce into a water base. And the more that you add to it, the more you're adding nutrients, the more you're adding color, and the more you're making a basis for either a soup, a stew, or whatever. And the other good thing about that is that you can make the stock and freeze it. I mean, you can freeze it in little ice cubes, so you can use a little bit of time. Every time you're going to throw something away, look at it and think, how can I use this? If you cannot think of a single way, to use it in your meal, it will find a new life and a good life, an enriching life in the compost pile. That's great. And I was just thinking it could be like a, an episode of Chopped with whoever you live with. Like, how can we use up these little celery nubs or something? <laughs> you could have a taste test. Any other tips for that adult who's stuck in her ways or his ways and is pulling into the drive-through right now? Just a simple way to get started, taking the first step to a healthier way of eating. I think that the Zoom meetings that the public has access to are just such a super way for folks to get 
information that in the past, when we did not have to work through Zoom, they couldn't get to meetings. It's been a real boom to have people be able to access uh, organized information from home. Anne, did you have any other tips and hacks to share with us? I just wanted to mention, because I have tried so hard to meal plan and meal prep and all of these things over the years, and I'm not very good at them. And what I've been trying to do lately, and I think is working a little bit better, is instead of planning per day, what I've been doing is just jotting down three recipes, just, you know, the names of them on the, the side of the fridge. I have a dry erase board. So I'll list three or four and then I'll cross them off as we make them. So I don't have to feel like I'm, you know, today I have to make spaghetti because that's what I wrote down for Monday or whatever it is. And so when we feel like eating those, we'll make those and kind of cross them off. And it's made a little easier really with leftovers and, you know, other things that you find. That's about all that I need is three or four meals. And then um, we always have lots of beans. So canned beans, if you grow any of them, freezing them as well, can make so many things really, really quick. And I mean like 10 minutes quick because working from home, I'll get to 6.30 at night and realize people haven't eaten. I've forgotten to feed people many a day. (laughs) (laughs) You're not alone. What's a quick idea for a can of beans? Okay, so I made this last night. It's a New York Times recipe and I thought it was really good. It was a couple cloves of garlic sautéed in olive oil, and then three tablespoons of tomato paste, two cans of the cannellini beans, and you cook them in some water, and it cooks down a little bit. And then it actually called for mozzarella cheese, and Carol was talking about prepping, and I didn't have that. So I had a whole bag of Mexican cheese, and I put the whole bag on it, put it in the broiler, and everybody ate it. We actually had salad greens on the side, so it was great. And isn't it funny how you'll like painstakingly plan a meal and it will be a flop. And then the thing you throw together at the last minute is like a big hit. And then you're like, okay, wait, what did I, what did I put in that again? So we can do that again. That's right. So That's the problem now is remembering what it was. <laughs> Miss Carol, uh, I'd like to add one thing because it's, it's easy to approach all of this information as lists of things to do. But to me, the most important part of it is the culture with our families that we're building through gardening. The first thing I think about ever when you think about green beans is how much fun it always was to get a big grocery bag of them down in southern Indiana and sit on the porch with my mother-in-law as our social chairman who would let all the grandkids help snap the beans while we all talked and laughed and told stories. Kids love to snap beans and do a job with adults who are enjoying each other's company. There are a lot of memories that are wrapped up around families, and this is an opportunity to bring those into the present so that kids have that connection to their food, where their food comes from, and how they helped do that job. That's really how it's special to me. I can't think of a more perfect ending. Well, Anna and Carol from UF IFAS, it has been a bountiful conversation full of fantastic gardening tips and kitchen hacks. And I'm really feeling inspired to keep going with all of the at-home meal prep that we've all been doing lately. So thank you both so much. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. It was. Thank you so much. 
That was Carol Leffler and Anne Yasalanis from the University of Florida's Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences, better known as UF-IFAS. If you want to learn more about how to garden in Florida or what should be in your well-stocked pantry, check out the episodes we did on both of those topics. You'll find links in the show notes and on our website, thezestpodcast.com. I'm Dalia Colon. I produce The Zest with help from Cheyenne Jaglau and Mark Hayes. Copyright 2021, WUSF Public Media. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR.